Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. Good morning, church. Good morning. Are we ready for the Word? Yes. Now let's do that again. Are we ready for the Word? Yes. Amen. God is good. Amen. Amen. They're talking about tornadoes and all this stuff going on, but we're here. We're here serving the Lord, and we know He's going to protect us. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you once again for the opportunity, Lord, to serve you. It's such a privilege, Lord, to be able to serve you, Lord God. And Lord, I just simply pray that this word that you put on my heart for your church will be anointed, Lord God, that you will anoint every word, Lord, every thought of my mind and heart would come from you, Lord, and that you would touch your people's hearts, Lord, that they will be open to receive, Lord. And I pray that nobody would leave here this morning the same way they came in. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. The title of my message this morning is this, does Jesus really understand? And I want to start by reading from Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 through 18. It says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, he does, not give, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Now, as we, as we go through this journey called life, all of us at one time or another are going to face trials and storms. There'll be difficulties, maybe pain and suffering, loneliness, brokenheartedness. There could be sickness and disease. There are, there are other things. Jesus said in the world you will have tribulation so sooner or later it's coming and you might be wondering does Jesus really understand I mean I mean sure I know he knows what's going on he knows everything he's the son of God but does he really understand what it's like to be in my situation I mean, after all, he had all the power of heaven at his disposal. He could do anything he wants. Heaven is his throne and the earth his footstool. So, so how could the one who could open blind eyes and, and raise the dead and cast out demons and, and calm the storms and walk on water ever fully understand my situation and what it's like to be in my shoes? If he were in my shoes, he could simply speak victory, and it would be done. So, so how could he understand my situation? But you know what, church? Nothing could be further from the truth. You see, Jesus, Jesus is, in fact, God Almighty. He's part of the Godhead, the Holy Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is God the Son. He's called Emmanuel. He's God with us. 
The first chapter of John says that all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that ever existed. It says he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world knew him not. That church is God. That's God. Philip once said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and we'll be satisfied. You remember what Philip replied? He said, he said, remember what Jesus replied? He said, Philip, he said, have I been with you this long and yet you have not known me? He says, do you not know that anyone who has seen me has seen the Father? He said, I and my Father are one. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. It's called the incarnation. God becoming man. And so Jesus left his throne in heaven and all the glories of heaven, and he came to the earth to live as a man, very much God, but at the same time, very much man. And, and because he came to dwell as a man, he knows and understands every single thing you and I will ever go through this side of heaven because he lived it in the flesh and as a man. So nobody can better relate to you than Jesus because he went through it all himself. We sometimes don't think about that. Now, now you might be here this morning and you might be in a, in a tremendous financial you know, uh, a problem going on. You might be in the financial struggle of your life. I don't know, maybe you lost your job at a time when you were barely paying your bills when you were working overtime. And, and you're wondering, well, Jesus had all the riches of heaven and everything he wanted at his fingertips. How could he ever understand what I'm going through? But you know what? The real truth is that while Jesus could have came to the earth and he could have set up a palace and a worldly kingdom of wealth and luxuries to shame the entire Roman Empire, instead the king of all kings and the lord of all lords was born in a horse's stable because there was no room for him at the inn. Can you imagine there was no room for the creator of the world, the seas, and the universe, and everything in them? He chose a humble, simple life as a carpenter's son with no worldly wealth, no money, no luxuries, and he chose poverty over wealth. And if you're wondering this morning, well, just how poor was Jesus? I'm so broke, I got all to do. They're about to shut my electric off for not paying the bill. Jesus himself said, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests. He said, but the Son of Man has nowhere to even lay his head. If when you go home this morning after church service, you look up and there's a roof or there's a ceiling above your head, even if it's leaking, you've got more than Jesus had in the form of earthly possessions and luxuries. Jesus knows what it's like, church, to have nothing. He understands your financial struggles because he lived it. He walked it. And so nobody can better relate to you than him. And let's take this one step further. Many good, hardworking people are in a financial crisis, not by choice. I never met anyone who was struggling financially who said, I choose this. I hope to remain this way. No one wants to remain in a financial crisis. It's very stressful. If they could turn that around, they would. I never met anybody who was checking their Powerball lottery tickets, and they said, oh, look at this, honey. Come quickly. You won't believe it. We lost. Let's go out and celebrate. <laughs> Am I right? That's not how it works. Sometimes situations arise 
that cause good, hardworking, honest people who are very smart to end up suffering, suffering financially, and you do everything you can to turn that situation around. If you can change it, you would. But Jesus had a choice. He didn't have to choose a life apart from wealth and luxury. He could have had more wealth and luxury than the richest man alive if he wanted. He had the winning jackpot lottery tickets in his hand, and he simply put them into the paper shredder. So nobody understands your financial struggles better than Jesus. And because he understands your struggles so well, and because he's gone back to be with his heavenly father, seated at the right hand of God Almighty, he still is Jehovah Jireh. He's your provider. And he's promised to meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. And he's not going to only meet your needs. He's come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. Not in lack. So Jesus understands you. He went through it voluntarily. And he's come to provide and take care of his children. If he feeds the birds, let me tell you, he's going to feed you who he died for. If he clothes the grass, he's certainly going to clothe you. And at the end of this life, he's promised you a city made out of pure gold. A city made of priceless stones. Jasper and sapphire and emerald and topaz and amethyst and all kinds of expensive pearls. Can you picture this for a moment? I already told my wife I ain't buying no more jewelry because... When she gets to heaven, she's going to have more gold and more expensive pearls than she knows what to do with. And all of it's free. It won't cost us a quarter. So there ain't no sense in wasting money on that stuff down here. Am I right? But to be honest with you, that didn't go off too well. So men, don't try that one. It doesn't work. But you can't blame me for trying. But Jesus, Jesus understands your financial struggles. Maybe you're here this morning and you can't seem to break the chains of sin. Temptation and sin has you down and living in defeat and you're thinking, Jesus was so holy. He had the spirit without measure. How could he understand this one and the constant attack that I feel that I'm under by the enemy? Well, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, and yet without sin. Every sin you and I have been tempted with, Jesus has been tempted with that and more. You say, well, what about lust, Pastor Bob? You know what? I believe that with all the fame and fascination that surrounded Jesus and all of the miracles, I believe that some of the most beautiful women of that time tried unsuccessfully to get close to him. I believe that the devil sent a few troublemakers his way. And you say, well, well, how do you know that? That's not in the Bible. Well, you know what? I think it is. Because the Bible says that he was tempted in all points, just like you and I, and yet without sin. That's everything and anything you and I have ever endured. Jesus has been through it all. And so he understands your temptations because he was tempted with the same things. Now, please understand, temptation is not sin. Temptation can lead to sin if you allow it, 
But temptation is not sin. Jesus was tempted and yet without sin. And if you're thinking this morning that there's an army of demons working against you over time that won't seem to quit, Satan himself tempted Jesus, and he did so when Jesus was at his physical weakest. When he was literally starving, he tempted him with bread. He offered Jesus all the kingdoms of the world in a moment's time if Jesus would fall down and worship him. He tempted Jesus over and over again, but to no avail. And when it came to Jesus, Satan didn't send any of his evil henchmen or his top lieutenants. He went after Jesus personally with all the power of hell. And so Jesus, having been tempted, understands all your temptations and struggles in the flesh because he went through them all. And he came to destroy the works of darkness. He broke the chains of sin and death at the, at the cross. And he gave you and I all power over the enemy. You don't have some power this morning. You've got all power over the enemy. We have power to tread on serpents and scorpions. We have power this morning to crush Satan under our feet. And the Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And he went away and he sent the comforter, the Holy Spirit, to empower you and to strengthen you so that you can live a godly life. And let's not forget, God's word says that he remains faithful. And he will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able. But with that temptation, he'll always make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Jesus understands your temptations, church. Now, maybe somebody this morning would say, Pastor Bob, you don't understand how betrayed I feel. I'm so lonely it hurts. How could Jesus understand that when he was surrounded by crowds everywhere he went? But let me tell you, Jesus knew loneliness. Jesus knew what it felt like to be betrayed. When Jesus chose Judas as one of his disciples, he didn't set Judas up to fail. Jesus knew that Judas would betray him through foreknowledge, but Jesus didn't predestine Judas to betray him. How do you think Jesus felt when one of his own betrayed him and for all things for money? How do you think Jesus felt when Peter, his lead disciple, the one that Jesus once said, you are Peter and upon this rock I'm going to build my church. He says and I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. That Peter, how do you think Jesus felt when that Peter denied not once, not twice, but three different times, even knowing who Jesus was. Can you imagine the loneliness and the betrayal Jesus must have felt when they came to arrest him in Gethsemane and the disciples were all scattered and Jesus is alone? I wonder how he felt when all of those he walked with and taught and the times that they were afraid and he was there to calm their fears and now they're all gone, hiding in fear, and Jesus is left alone. Let me tell you, nobody's ever going to understand you better than Jesus. Because he came as a man, he lived as a man, he suffered as a man, and so he fully understands everything and anything you and I will ever go through. 
In fact, the greatest work that God Almighty did wasn't creating the world, the seas, and the universe. It wasn't leading the Hebrews out of Egypt. It wasn't parting the Red Sea. It wasn't tearing down the walls of Jericho. It was sending Jesus in the form of a humble, meek servant when he was the creator and the sustainer of everything. Too bad our Jewish friends and neighbors can't see that God's greatest work was done through the frailty and the humbleness of his all-powerful son. And they're waiting and they're looking for a Messiah that's never going to come. And when he does, he's going to be an antichrist. They missed the Messiah, but he is here. Let me tell you, church, I prayed for years and years for so many people who lost loved ones, but I never really understood their hurt until my dad passed away. And you know, now when I try to comfort and pray for those who are suffering from the pain and loss of a, of, of a loved one, I, I, could, I could understand their hurt much better. I could understand it much better because I've experienced their pain. And so I could relate. My level of compassion and understanding is far greater than it was before I went through the same things. I pray for people all the time who've been diagnosed with serious illnesses like cancer and, and the fear that they're going through. And, and I thank God I've seen many healings. But the real truth is that while I think I understand their fear and what they're going through, because I never experienced a serious illness like that myself, thank God. I could only imagine how they feel. But I don't truly know because I never experienced that myself. And many of you who have gone through some serious trials, you are always the best minister to those who are going through sim similar trials because you've been there. You can relate. You understand. <coughs> And your words of encouragement are going to carry far more depth and meaning to somebody who's hurting when you can say, I've been there, my brother. I've been there, my sister. I understand. When a brother or sister in Christ is able to walk up to somebody just diagnosed with cancer and put their arms around them and say, it's okay, my brother. It's okay, my sister. I was diagnosed 10 years ago. I know that feeling. I understand the fear. Let me pray with you because I know my God is going to get you through just the way he got me through. Let me tell you, you're the best minister and you have their attention because they know you can relate. But Jesus, your Lord, your Savior, your Master and your friend, he went through them all. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, I could almost hear somebody saying, hold on a minute, Pastor Bob. While you're on the subject, I got one for you Jesus cannot relate to. Being told you have a serious illness. There's no record in the Bible of Jesus ever having to deal with the news of a serious disease like cancer or heart disease. How could he ever relate to my situation there? But you know what? The worst thing that can happen when you're diagnosed with a life-threatening illness, the thing that we most fear is that that sickness or disease is going to take your life. Let's face it, death from the illness is as bad as it gets, right? Doesn't get any worse than that. But you know what? Jesus had the sentence of death on him. 
See, when something comes against our life, we always have a chance. Jesus had no chance because the sentence of death was on him. He knew he was going to die. Jesus knows the fear of knowing what it's like to suffer until you die. When he was in Gethsemane praying, he began to sweat. His sweat became like, like, like droplets of blood when he began to think about the pain and the suffering that he was about to endure for you and me. And if you were to study death by crucifixion, I believe you'll find that it is one of the most painful, torturous forms of death. It's slow torture. It, it's slow death. It's actually, it's slow suffocation. And Jesus knew about the lashes that would be put on his back. He knew about the beating. He knew about the crown of thorns that was about to be pounded into his head. He knew about the nails that would be going through those precious hands. He knew death was at the doorstep and he was about to suffer far more than anyone will ever suffer. In fact, at some point, as he suffered with some fear as a man, he even said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But even in his moment of anguish and sorrow, Jesus spoke those words that would change the world forever. And he said to his heavenly Father, Nevertheless, in other words, despite what I'm about to suffer and go through, Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will shall be done, but your will shall be done. And Jesus laid aside his own will, despite the, the suffering and the pain, and he went to the cross, and he fulfilled God's plan for salvation for your life and mine. Let's give the Lord a big hand of praise. He's worthy. Now, besides the fact that Jesus understands all your sicknesses and all your diseases, the small and the great, there's another major difference here. When we become ill, or if one of our loved ones be, became terminally ill, yes, we pray and we have faith to believe that they could be healed. But sometimes their time on this earth is up, and we have to watch those we love progress through that illness up until death. Sometimes we simply don't have a choice. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, and, it is, and, and as it is appointed for men to die once, but after that the judgment. So all of us have our appointment with death. When your time is up, it's up. If, if there was something we could do, we would do it. If there were an amount we could pay, we'd somehow figure out a way to get it, and we'd pay it. But when our time on this earth is up, it's up and we don't have that choice. But Jesus had a choice. He could have changed his mind and called the whole thing off. No one took Jesus' life. The entire Roman Empire could never have taken Jesus' life. He laid it down of his own free will. He could have said, forget it, packed up, and went back to the glories of heaven. When he was on that cross, he could have called to his heavenly Father for more than 12 legions of angels. He could have called fire down from heaven and consumed them all if he wanted. But Jesus died of his own free will because of the great love he has for you and me. Yeah. And, and not to get off course this morning, but while we're on the subject, if you happen to be angry with somebody who's wronged you this morning, Jesus understands. Jesus says, I understand. I, I felt some of that anger when I was being beaten and spit upon and laughed at. When I hung on that cross and they began to point the finger and say, Ha! Look at him! He saved others. Himself he cannot save. I felt some of that anger. I felt the embarrassment. 
I felt that temptation to want to call fire down from heaven, but instead I taught all of you true love and true forgiveness when I asked my heavenly Father from my heart to forgive all of them, for they did not know what they were doing. Jesus taught us true forgiveness in that whatever anyone did to you, I can assure you this, they did far more to Jesus. And despite the ultimate abuse and pain and ridicule, Jesus still forgave. I hope that you're doing the same this morning. And I pray that nobody here is holding any grudges. If you are, it's time to let go. And so no one, and I mean no one, understands your sicknesses and diseases and the fear associated better than Jesus. And let's not forget something. Jesus didn't have a nice warm bed to die in. Instead, he hung naked on a cross. When the excruciating pain came, Jesus wasn't able to ask for pain medication or say, can you turn up the volume on the morphine to help me with the pain? Instead, he suffered until the end. In fact, the only thing our precious Lord asked for was a little sip of cold water, and instead he got a sponge with vinegar. And please do not forget this. And this may be something that some of you never thought of. But Jesus never used any of his godly supernatural powers to relieve himself of any suffering, hardship, or pain. Did you ever think about that? He chose to suffer as a man. All of his godly supernatural powers were always used to help others, to heal others, to set others free, to relieve others from pain and hunger and suffering and heartbreak. But when it came to himself, he chose to suffer as a man. He did not use supernatural power. He simply endured it all. So nobody can relate to us better than our Jesus. And let me tell you, church, If somebody's here this morning and you're suffering from a broken heart after losing a loved one, remember this, Jesus understands the pain and heartache that comes with death. He understands it. When Jesus' good friend John the Baptist was beheaded, Jesus knew the sorrow of what it was like to, to, to lose somebody that you love. When Jesus arrived to find his friend Lazarus dead, and he saw the scene of those who were weeping and, and, and suffering and sorrow, Jesus began to weep. John chapter 11, verse 32 to 36 says, Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, "How he see how he loved him. Let me tell you, Jesus shed his share of tears. Oh, yes. You know, it's believed that Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, died before Jesus' ministry. This was the man who helped to raise him and teach him and love him and, and care for him. That must have been very sorrowful for Jesus. I'm sure Jesus could have kept his earthly father, Joseph, alive from whatever it was that caused his death. But he allowed it to happen so he can relate to the sorrows of what it's like to lose those that are closest to us. 
And most of all, let's not forget this. When Jesus hung on that cross, knowing what we know about God Almighty from his holy word, and knowing that the Bible teaches us that God experiences many of the same emotions that we experience. Love, anger, compassion, sorrow, grief, all those are in the Bible as having been experienced by God. And knowing that we were made in God's own image and His own likeness, I have to believe that God Almighty had tears in His eyes and began to weep as He watched His perfect sinless Son suffer and die for us. Yet despite the pain that God felt, He endured it all because of the great love He has for you and me. And so God Almighty is well aware of the sorrows of death in that he exceeded the greatest sorrow of all. And not only having to watch his son die, but to have to watch him suffer and in pain. Can all of us take a moment out and give the Lord our God a big hand of praise? God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. It was a gift. He didn't have to do it because of his love. And so Jesus loosed the chains of sin and death and he gave us the gift of eternal life so that those who believe in him will never see death but are passed from death to life. And the Bible tells us that we don't have to sorrow as others who have no hope. As a Christian, as a man and woman of God, you should not be sorrowing as others who have no hope because our faith is in Christ. And we know that those who left this earth knowing him will one day be reunited with us again. And this isn't going to be for a hundred years, church. It's not going to be for a thousand years, sister. It ain't going to be for a million years. It's going to be for all eternity, never to separate again. Thanks once again to Jesus. Romans chapter 8 verse 18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. That ought to lift you up this morning, friends. The summary of today's sermon is simply this. And I don't want you to miss this. I want everyone to understand that Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, the creator and the sustainer of the world, the seas, and the universe, and everything in them, the God who spoke the sun into existence and simply made the stars and planted them in the firmament of the heavens. I'm talking about the God who formed man from the dust of the earth and he breathed into him the breath of life. I'm talking about the God who draws a line and sets up boundaries for the seas and holds back the oceans of the world with just one hand and says, you go no further. That all-powerful, all-knowing God, God, is not a distant God way out there somewhere who might just hear you and bow down an ear if you spend enough hours on your knees trying to figure out how to communicate with Him. But no, our Jesus, your Jesus, is in fact Emmanuel. He is God with us. If that doesn't excite you this morning, nothing will. And do you want to know how close He is? He's as close as the mention of his name. And he lives inside of us by the person of the Holy Spirit. And God put on my heart 
that there are many people, even some right here, and you've been waiting for a breakthrough. You've been praying for healing. You've been praying for healing for others. You've been praying for victory. You've been praying for unsaved loved ones to come home. And there are other things. And, and, and we've been looking up, up, as though God is way out there past Pluto or Mars somewhere. But the Bible says that he is here and he lives right within our hearts. I'm pretty standing pretty close right now to Pastor Maria. And, and, and if she wanted to ask me for something, she could practically whisper and I could hear her. But let me tell you, Jesus is a lot closer than that. He's a lot closer than that. And, and, and when we ask for something, we need to realize how very close he is. You see, church, that's where the breakthrough is going to come. That's what God put on my heart. We need to realize the power that is within us. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives and dwells inside you and me. I know it's amazing and it's hard to fathom that a thrice holy God with heaven as his throne and the earth as his footstool is so close to you and me that he lives and takes up residency within our hearts. And he's the one who walks with you and talks with you and comforts you in times of need. He's the one that goes with you. You can hop on a plane and go to Australia. When you step off, Jesus is right there. And when Jesus has to, he even will go before you. And he's the one who loved you enough to die for your sins so you can live. Let me tell you, if he loved you that much, he didn't bring you this far to see you fall. And even though he's Lord of all, and he's the creator of everything, get this, he's called you and I his friends. Can you imagine? Jesus is your personal friend. Oh, I hope this sinks in this morning. He's the one who gets you through everything because he went through it. He's the one that still sticks closer than any brother. He's the one that said, I'm never going to leave you. He said, I'm never going to forsake you. He's the one that said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he said, I will do it. That's what he said. And as he left this earth, what was the last thing he said? Lo, I'm with you once in a while. Lo, I'll be with you only in the most difficult of times. No, but Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always. I am with you always. I am with you always. And for how long? For two weeks? For a couple of months? For a year or two? No, he says, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age, even until the end of time. Give Jesus another hand of praise. How blessed are we that because of Jesus, we can go boldly to the throne of grace and you could get along with your friend Jesus and have a one-on-one -on -one heart to heart talk with him. You can tell him just what's troubling you. And he's the one who can say, I understand my brother. I understand my sister. I understand my child. I understand my friend. 
I understand those financial struggles. It's okay. I've been there. I know what it's like. But I'll do for you what I never did for myself. And I'll meet all your needs. I am Jehovah Jireh. I will be with you. I will be your provider. You're of far more value than the birds I feed or the grass that I clothe. You're my seed, says the Lord. You will not be found begging for bread. You're the one who's going to lend and you're not going to borrow. And the King of Glory says to many of you this morning, I know you're living with fear, my friend. I know it's painful. I understand. I went through that in Gethsemane. It's okay. Don't be afraid. I am the Lord your God. Fear not, saith the Lord. My perfect love will cast out all your fears. I'll walk with you through the fire, and you're not going to be burned. And when you're in the valley of the shadow of death, I will be with you. My rod and my staff are going to comfort you. And Jesus says to all of us this morning, it's okay. I understand your disappointments. I understand your betrayals. I understand your sicknesses. I understand your diseases. I understand your fears. I know what a broken heart feels like. I know the sorrows of death and its pain. I've been there. I've been there. And I'm here to see you through each and every single one of them. Trust me as your Lord. Trust me as your Savior. Trust me as your God. Trust me as your provider. Trust me as your healer. And most of all, Trust me as your friend. Go ahead, saith the Lord. Cast all your cares onto me because I care for you. Thank you again, Jesus. And if you're working relentlessly in ministry, as many of you are, or at least some of you are, and you're becoming a little weary, you know, it's not easy being a senior pastor in a church or, or, or serving part-time or full-time in ministry as some of you are, uh, some of you working full-time jobs. Sometimes it can become tiring. We can even become a little discouraged. There could be a strain on, on your family or, or on your spouse. But Jesus says, I understand. It's okay. You should have been there when the crowds were so massive, I had to step into a little boat and pull away from the seashore just to preach. The crowds were so big, I was so exhausted as I kept healing them and blessing them, but they just kept on coming. You should have been with me the time when I fed 5,000 men plus women and children, 15,000 hungry people. I was so tired I wanted to stop, but no one left hungry. And when they needed me, I didn't turn, not even one away. But I will give you peace, saith the Lord. I will renew your strength. My spirit will empower you to continue, and I will lift you up so you can continue. As I close this morning's service, I want everyone here to realize the magnitude of this personal love relationship yeah. that we have with Jesus. Oh, yeah. I honestly don't think we sometimes fully understand it. I don't think sometimes we fully grasp it. Yeah. This relationship with Jesus, yeah. your Lord, He's your Savior. Yes. He's your Master. Right. He's your Healer. Uh -huh. 
He's your friend. Everything. We have that close relationship. Thank God we understand the difference between relationship and religion. Amen? Yeah. I'm so thankful for that. that. I'm so thankful. That's a, that's a whole other sermon for another day. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I gave this a lot of thought before making this statement. But after searching the scriptures, I realize, and I hope that you realize, that in every single solitary situation in life, Jesus went to the absolute extreme, and he exceeded everything and anything you and I will ever go through so he could fully understand your troubles, your sorrows, and all of your challenges. And whether you're dealing this morning with anger, or you're dealing with temptation, or you're dealing with fear, or, or there's financial struggles, or maybe a sickness, or a disease, or a broken heart, or anything else you can think of, I can tell you this, Jesus went through them all, Jesus exceeded them all, and Jesus didn't go through one or two, or perhaps maybe three, as some of you may in your lifetime, Jesus went through all of them. You are not alone this morning, church. You are not alone. You belong to the one who went through everything you're going through. And so he understands. And I can tell you this. He has not left you comfortless. He has not left you comfortless. He has not left you comfortless. He sent the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the living God to empower us. Who lives inside of us. And realizing that Jesus went through exactly what you're going through should now make it much more personal when you go to Jesus for help in times of need. And I want everyone, and I mean everyone, to leave here this morning in complete and total confidence knowing this, that Jesus really does understand. And I thank God Almighty that he loved us enough to call us his friends. Amen. Can we stand and give the Lord a big hand of praise? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the healings. Thank you for the blessings. Thank you for the strength. Thank you for the peace. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Oh, we are, we got a lot to be thankful for. Amen. We got a lot to be thankful for, church. And just before Pastor Maria comes and dismisses the service, I just want to take a couple of minutes out. And before I pray for you, and, and I want to do something a little bit different this morning. But before I pray for you, I just want to ask, is anybody here? that never has received Jesus into their heart as Lord and Savior. And, and I'm not talking about going to church and, 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 you know, all of that stuff. I'm talking about anybody here who would say, Pastor Bob, I've never entered into a genuine one-on-one -on -one love relationship with Jesus Christ. I never asked God to forgive me of my sins and invited Jesus in and made him the Lord of my life. I realized this morning how close and personal this relationship can be with him. And I want to accept Christ into my heart. If anybody's here like that this morning, would you raise your hand for a few seconds so that I could see it and then you could put it right down? Anybody here? Anybody here as the Holy Spirit's moving through this place? If that's you, raise your hand so I can see it, please. Anybody? Anybody? 
I see one brother back there. Thank you, my brother. Thank you for that coverage. Sister, you raise your hand. Thank you, my sister. Anybody else? I don't want to miss anybody. I don't want to miss anybody. Thank you, my sister. Anybody else? I believe in divine appointments, church. I don't think I'm here by coincidence. I believe in divine appointments. Anybody else besides those three? Okay, so I'm going to ask us, the three of you that raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to just repeat after me and pray. And could all of us repeat the same thing as we pray with these three folk who, uh, who opened their heart to Christ and made this wonderful decision? Let's pray. Dear God, I come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I am sorry for my life apart from you. Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. I repent of my sins, Lord. I'm turning to a new direction. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me in the blood of Jesus. Wash away every sin. And right now, I invite Jesus into my heart as my Lord and Savior. I believe that Jesus died on a cross and that he rose from the dead and that he is right now at the right hand of God alive forevermore. So I make Jesus the Lord of my life and I promise Lord that I'm going to love you that I'm going to serve you and I'm going to worship you all the days of my life. I declare I am saved. Let's give the Lord a big hand of praise. Now let me tell you, the last couple of days you may have heard some rumbles of thunder, but the Bible says that there is rejoicing in heaven by the angels of God over just one sinner that comes to repentance. So there's a little celebration going on right now. But now I just want to have an opportunity to pray for the rest of you because this is what God put on my heart. And I, I encourage you not to take this lightly. I'm going to give an altar call. I know we had one this morning, Pastor, but God put on my heart that we're going to have a second altar call. And, 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 and let me explain something. Here's what God put on my heart, that he wants to meet some needs this morning. I believe God's going to do something supernatural and there's going to be some breakthroughs. But what, when we come to the Lord this morning, he wants you to come to him now to realize how very close he is, that he's your personal friend, that if you're coming with sickness and fear, you can walk up to him and say, my Jesus, I know that you went through the same exact thing and you understand me. I need your help, Lord. If you're suffering with temptation or something, you could say, Lord, I know you went through the same things, Lord. If you're suffering with fear or anger, whatever it may be, or, or you've been praying for somebody else, you've been praying for a loved one to come home, you can't seem to get them in church, you've been waiting for that breakthrough. I'm here this morning to tell you that God wants to do a great work in all of our lives but he wants you to realize this morning how very close he is. He wants you to realize that he lives inside of you by the person of the Holy Spirit. 
I, I need to make sure, and I'm sorry I'll take an extra moment, Pastor, but I need to make sure that that sinks in because sometimes we say it, but has it sunk in that Jesus Christ, Almighty God Himself, is here this morning in this sanctuary and He is so close to you and I that He lives within our heart and He wants you to know that this morning. And he's ready to set you free. He's ready to move upon his people. So as the worship team plays, I'm going to ask you this morning, if you have anything in your life, I don't care what it is, sickness, disease, problems, financial troubles, doesn't matter. Jesus went through them all. I want you to come to this altar this morning with a different heart. I want you to come with a heart that says, Jesus you are my personal friend. You are so close to me. I know you love me. And I'm in trouble. I need your help. I need you to intervene for my mom. I need you to intervene for my brother, my sister, my children. I need something, Lord. And I believe that when we surrender and come to the altar, I believe that Jesus is going to meet you here. And we're going to see some testimonies coming in of some great things. Let me tell you, church, I've had altar calls. I've had altar calls, and it's not about me. It's not about me. I've had altar calls, and I've seen people come to the altar with advanced cancer who walked out of those doors and went to the doctor that week, and the cancer was completely gone. I've seen it. I've seen defective, deformed genes inside a womb of babies that were diagnosed to be born severely handicapped. People have come to the altar and we prayed and they've left and went back to the doctor only to be told that those defective genes were changed, chromosomes were changed, and the baby was perfectly normal. So don't take this moment lightly. If you have something in your heart for yourself or somebody, as the worship team plays, come and let's just as a sign of surrender, just give it to the Lord. And for you three who accepted Christ, I would encourage you to come to the altar as well. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry? You can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.